Oh man, I am just so blessed to be here and thank you for your kind hospitality. Let's get a head start. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2 and while you're doing that, I'll further introduce myself. Again, it's a, a blessing to be here. I am so thankful to be with friends and it's just awesome to be uh, in a church where I, I know so many people. Even my mother-in-law is here this weekend. And she came last night. I think she's going to be here again today. And so I'm, I'm just thankful to have uh, her as well, visiting her friend, Gail Sanford, who was a member of our church. And, of course, Pastor Mike, I had the privilege of leading him to Christ years ago. And he's just an amazing friend. Brother Chantha, Susan, Rose, all the children. Uh, Matt, I know he and his precious wife. And, man, this is like being home. It's a pretty cool. We also have uh, Don and Beth Medley that uh, occasionally come to our church often and uh, live in Hot Springs. I mean, just it's amazing uh, how God works, isn't it? And uh, we're just kind of trading people here <laughs> from Hot Springs to Vero Beach, and I love it. So uh, I'm just, uh, again, thankful. I want to introduce you to my family a little more because, you know, what's great about uh, being here today is, is knowing that I have a family that supports me and, and loves what God is doing in our lives. And I like to do things for a long time. I've been pastor of the same church for 26 years. I've been saved for 40 years, and God kind of does that for a long time when he saves you. And then I've been married for, for almost 30 years. And my wife's name is Carol Ann, and she's an amazing lady. She's uh, just a, the spark plug of my life. And I'm just so thankful that uh, God has given me a great wife. I have five children. God's blessed us with an, our oldest son, Matthias. He's 27. We call him Mo. And Mo is our student pastor and just a great young man. Uh, I'm so thankful I get to be in ministry with him. I have a young son, 25, named Josiah. We call him Joe. So it's Mo Joe. And Joe <laughs> is our worship pastor and just doing a great job. Just got married. His wife is expecting, and we're blessed with, uh, with him. And then there's Ezekiel. We call him Zoe. Ezekiel's 18. He's uh, just graduated from high school and be attending uh, a Champion Christian College in the fall. Uh, he has an infatuation with, with basketball and sports, but he's also in love with Jesus. And I'm so thankful for Zoe. He works in the transportation ministry of our church and brings people to church every Sunday. Chloe is my 17-year-old girl. We call her Chloe. Chloe's got me wrapped around her finger. She's a cheerleader, a volleyball player, but she's also a wonderful, sweet Christian lady. Sings in our worship team on Sundays and just is a blessing. And then God has graced our family with a special needs child. Her name is Glorianne, and we call her Glow. And Glorianne is a, uh, a child who has the Phelan McDermott syndrome. About 2,000 people in the world have been diagnosed with this. It's unusual, it's special, but we feel privileged to have been chosen by God to raise a 24 7 child uh, as far as the care is concerned. So around our house, it's Mo, Joe, Zoe, Glow, Glow. Let's go! And we ain't having no mo, that's for sure. Anyway, but anyway, it's, it's, it's awesome to be uh, a dad, a husband, a pastor, and a friend. And I'm your friend today, and I'm grateful to be here in this place. And so as we open our Bibles and begin to study God's word together, I want to remind you that although we, we, we hear a, a financial transparent message this morning, and we understand as we begin engaged as to what our church's needs are, and maybe we sense a, a, a little rocky road or potentially a little, uh, a little challenge ahead of us, I want to remind you that the church of Jesus Christ in its history has weathered 
a lot of storms. Amen. She's weathered division. At times, she's had to weather the storm of heresy. At times, she's had to weather the storm of persecution or even scandal. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe that. And and I have pastored a church for 26 years. We've experienced in those 26 years, years of growth. But I want to be honest and tell you that we've experienced years of decline. We've experienced a lot of ups in our church history, and we've experienced a lot of downs in our church history. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at how culture seems to lean towards success in church as always being growth and numbers. It's kind of questionable to me, though. I read my Bible, and I wonder if that's not accurate. In other words, here's the question. Is quality more important than quantity? You see, I believe if we're going to have the church that God would smile upon, we need to focus our efforts on quality of ministry instead of just quantity of ministry. Because at the end of the day, numbers really mean very little. You see, you can have a church of 20,000 people and it can be a garbage church. Or you can have a church of 200 people and it can be absolutely on fire for God. You see, the body of Christ is like the human body. Growth can be very healthy or growth could be a tumor. There's no automatic connection between growth and health. And so let's allow God this morning to take care of how many people we minister to. And let's focus on our efforts on being a biblical community that is seeking to follow Christ with our whole hearts. I have found that if you and I will take care of that, God always gives the increase. He gives it financially. He gives it numerically. And so let's look at our text this morning and go right to the word of God. In Colossians chapter 2, just to give you a heads up here, Paul is in prison. At the writing of this letter to the church at Colossae, he is in prison, not in a, in a good situation. And, and physically, he is impaired and not able to go to church that Sunday morning. You and I are privileged to be with one another. Isn't it great to be in, in, a, in a place where we can be with other people and believers and guests that are with us and maybe even someone searching for Christ this morning, looking for a place to belong? Hey, we're glad you're here, and this is an awesome place to be. Unfortunately, Paul couldn't be here this morning. Paul couldn't be in that church. You'll see as we begin to read in verse 1, he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Paul says, I just want you to know how I'm burdened for you. I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling in my heart. I'm, 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 I've got some inner turmoil. I'm, I'm very burdened for the church. And oh, I wish I could be there with you face to face. Well, Paul couldn't be here this morning, so he sent me. (laughs) And I thought I'd come from Arkansas and look at you face to face and tell you what Paul told the church at Colossae. Paul had a message for them. And I believe his message then is the same message for us today. If you're like me, you believe the word of God is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And so I believe what Paul has done here is he, is he shared with this church the burden he had for them. I also believe he was saying, if I could be there, this is what I would say. But since I can't be there, I'm going to write it down. And I'm going to let you know what I would want you to be 
if I could share it with you personally. Number one, look at it. Paul says, I'd love for you to be, first of all, encouraged in your hearts. Look, if you would, please. It says, if I could be there face to face, that your hearts may be encouraged. The very first thing that Paul mentions in the letter as he begins to share his heart is, I want you to be encouraged. Paul is saying, my concern for you is that your heart would be encouraged in your mind, in your emotions, and in your will. You see, church, we are more than just our physical bodies. Praise God. Man, I can tell you one thing. At the age of 53, as I get older, I realize my physical body isn't isn't as strong as it used to be. There is an inner part of us that has nothing to do with us physically. That's what scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Man, I'll tell you, sometimes I get out of bed in the morning and I'm losing some heart. I'm like, oh man, another day. Physically, I don't feel as strong and I'm having a hard time getting getting things going, you know, and and, and I, I don't walk with the same brisk walk and I'm not able to run as fast. I can't play ball with my boys with as much vitality as I used to. But scripture says... So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's one of the great things about the Christian life. While the body is getting worse and worse, the spirit is getting better and better. People wonder why I'm more excited today than I've ever been before. Why hasn't 26 years of ministry kind of beat me down? Why hasn't life beat me down? Why am I no more discouraged about what's happening out in the world today? Oh, preacher, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? I'm like, you know what? I just know God's in control. My inner self is, is better than it's ever been. And I know that God's coming back one day and I can sing those songs, raise my hand and say, praise God. It's a good day. It's a good day. And I can come to church every Sunday morning and share encouraging words with my people that God is on the throne. And Paul wants that part of us to be encouraged today. So how do we accomplish that? How do you and I encourage one another? I mean, Paul Paul says, I want you to be encouraged in your heart. I'm convinced there's two ways to do that. Number one, you do that by coming alongside people. Alongside them. Not over them in authority. Not under them as a servant, but beside them as a friend. I love this quote. Don't walk behind me, I might not lead. Don't walk in front of me, I might not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. That's what I need more than anything else. If you want to bless someone, if you want to encourage someone, just get beside them. The second way you can encourage someone is by saying something to them. By verbally communicating something to them. Listen, maybe some words of comfort. Doesn't scripture say that our God is the God of all comfort? He's the God of all comfort. But here's what's awesome about this passage. This passage of scripture is not talking about the comfort that God gives. This is talking about the encouragement that we bring to each other. I know that he's a very present help in time of need. I know that he never leaves me nor forsakes me. And I believe that and I feel that and I preach that and teach that. But I want you to know, although God is always with me, sometimes I need you. I don't know what it is. Call me weak. Say I I need help. But I kind of like the fact that every now and then I need to see somebody in the flesh that'll love me and encourage me and tell me I can do it. We need that in church. You know, I remember... uh, 
when I was at a restaurant not long ago, just in, you know, and, and I love to encourage people. I just do. I think it's one of the greatest joys of life is to see someone else lifted up and encouraged. I'm in a restaurant, Mellow Mushroom. Anybody ever heard of that pizza place? Isn't that good? Mellow Mushroom in Gatlinburg, Tennessee is where I was at. I walk in a restaurant and man, I'm getting, we had a big group with us. I was getting, you know, tables ready and I, I lean over and I see a family of four, a husband and a wife, two little uh, kids, and they bow their heads in the midst of a busy restaurant and they're praying for their meal. Man, it was just like the Holy Spirit said, get over there. I go over there to that table, and while they're all praying, I just stick my head in between mom and dad like this. <laughs> and I'm just like this, and all of a sudden, daddy goes, in Jesus' name, amen. And as soon as he said amen, he looked at me, whoa! <laughs> he goes, who are you? I said, man, I'm a pastor in Arkansas. I walked into this busy restaurant and saw this sweet little family praying, and I thought, I got to go over here and pray with them. I just want you guys to know you have greatly blessed me today. I said, listen, young lady and young man, boy and girl, I said, you got great parents. They're phenomenal. And any, any parents that would pray in a restaurant for their food and not be ashamed of Jesus is two parents you ought to be thankful for. Hey, I love you guys. Have a great day. I walked off. Six months later, I, I brought my son Ezekiel to a Nike basketball camp. We were heading back to Arkansas from this basketball camp, passing through Jackson, Tennessee. I stopped at a pilot station because they got clean bathrooms. Is anybody with me on that? Hallelujah for clean bathrooms. I stopped at pilot, the pilot gas station. I, 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 you know, do my thing and get my gas paid for. And I walk up to the register and I, I begin to, to pay for my gas. And the guy behind the, the uh, counter goes, hey, Mr. Arkansas. I said, hey, <laughs> I am from Arkansas. How'd you know that? He said, mellow mushroom. I said, mellow mushroom. He goes, yeah, you're the pastor that prayed with my family. I said, you were the dad? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I'll never forget that moment. He said, in fact, for the past six months, every time our family goes out to eat, we bow our heads and my kids say, daddy, don't forget to pray. Remember, that preacher said it makes a difference. They said, you'll never, you'll always be remembered for stopping by that table and praying for us that day. You see, you never know. Some little act of kindness some little word of encouragement that you just did because you love people and get back in your car and drive home. You never know. You may be the topic of the conversation. You may be the one that God used to encourage someone that day. You see, we have in this church the capacity to be an immense blessing to one another. We have that capacity. And you'll never realize how much people need it. You know, uh, sometimes as, as a pastor, and I speak to all of us in the room that bear a position in the church of pastor. And, and sometimes you just need to hear a word of encouragement. And, and because sometimes it, it just seems that when somebody wants to talk to you, it's always something negative. And, and that, that's kind of the DNA that I had developed in, in, as a young pastor. I had a man in our church who's still in our church walk up to me one day after church and say, uh, pastor, if you got a minute tomorrow, I need to talk to you. And I said, yeah, no problem. Yeah. What, what time? He said, about nine o'clock. Would that be okay? Could I stop by at nine o'clock? I said, no problem, Scott. That'd be great. I'll be there. I go home that day for lunch. I said, honey, you're not going to believe this. Scott wants to talk to me. She said, Scott, who? I said, Scott Perryman. She said, well, what's wrong with that? I said, it's going to be bad. Honey, he wants to talk to me. Anytime somebody walks up to the pastor and says, I want to talk to you tomorrow, it's not good. It's not going to be good. And she said, oh, quit being negative. Come on, it's going to be fine. Scott loves you. They've been in our church for years. You married them. This is a great, it's going to be fine. I'm like, no, no, it's not going to be fine. Honey, I need you to pray. I mean, you should have seen the way he said it. He wanted to talk to me. 
I get there the next morning. I mean, I'm there early. I put my spiritual voice on. Hello, brother. God bless you. How are you? You know, steeple stuck in my throat voice, you know. And I sit there, and he walks in. He says, hey, pastor. He said, uh, thanks for coming in. He said, I just want to share something with you. And I said, all right, Scott, what's the problem? He said, problem? I said, yeah, you wanted to talk to me. What's, what's, what's going on? What's the problem? I said, pastor, there's no problem. He said, in fact, yesterday, I leaned over to my wife in church, and I said, honey, I, I just need to spend some time with the pastor and tell him his messages lately have been the best ever. I've heard him preach thousands of times, but he's preaching the best he's ever preached. And my wife and I decided we wanted to give you $100 to take you guys out to eat and just have a great time. Hey, pastor, I love you. Have a great day. And he walks out, and I'm like, <laughs> did that just happen? Did somebody actually say they wanted to talk to me, and it was something good? You see, sometimes we can have our wall up because we've heard so much discouragement that we wonder if there's any encouragement out there. Well, you've come to the right place this morning because we're going to look you face to face and tell you, as Paul told the church at Colossae, we want you to be encouraged this morning in your hearts. Let's pour encouragement into one another because we desperately need it. We all have needs, but I have found that the greatest joy is laying your burdens down and picking up the burdens of someone else. In fact, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's the greatest blessing of all. So be encouraged this morning in your heart. Number two, the second thing I think you'll notice in our text, it's just right there. It's spelled out very clearly. It says to, to, uh, that their hearts may be encouraged. Secondly, notice the next phrase, being knit together in love. So my second thought is this. Let's be encouraged in heart, Paul says, but secondly, be united in love. United in love. You say, preacher, what's the significance of that? Love is the glue that holds the church together. Love is the glue that holds a marriage together. Love is the glue that holds brothers and sisters in Christ together. I mean, it's all through scripture. One of my favorites is found in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14, where it says that we know, we know that we have passed from death to life. Really? Well, how do we know that? How do we know that we have passed from death, from sin, hell, and the grave to life in Jesus Christ. Is there a way to know that? How, how do you identify if somebody has truly been saved? Well, drum roll, please. Because we love the brothers, whoever does not love abides in death. It's pretty clear. What about 1 John 3, 23? And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. 1 John 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Uh, 1 John 4, 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Isn't that great? Jesus did not say by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have a clean nursery at your church. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have overabundance of offerings and every seat in your church is filled. That's how you know. No, he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. That, my friend, is a quality church. It's a quality church. 
You see, how can we love one another? I think the first way we can love one another is by what we say. Sometimes you just have to get practical when preaching the word of God so we can apply it. We can love one another by what we say. I believe it starts with the capacity to look somebody in the eye and say, I love you. I remember we hired a teacher from Michigan up north. Her name was Julie. And Julie was a brand new teacher at Gospelite Christian School. You have a school here. We have a school at our church. Julie one day came to, uh, well, the first day she was on campus, she came to in-service, right? Where you learn the ropes and get your classroom identified and some of the policies and procedures there. And so she had, uh, it was lunchtime, I think it was about midday, and I I didn't have to attend the in-service, but I was in the office and I was walking down the hallway one way and she was walking down the hallway the other way. And as I walked down the hallway, I just said, are you Julie? And she said, yes, sir. And I said, great, I'm the pastor, Eric Capace. It's great to have you a part of our ministry. I'm so glad you're here. I understand it's your first week. Man, you're gonna love it here. We're gonna have a great time. And I just want you to know, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I started walking off and she said, that's weird. And I said, what? And she said, that's just kind of weird. I mean, you just told me you loved me. And I'm like, yeah, get used to it. And she said, that's just weird. I mean, where I come from, we just don't do that. And I said, look, Julie, I didn't say, I love you. (laughs) I said, I only say, I love you to one person. (laughs) And that's been, I've been saying that for 30 years like that. Amen. And I highly recommend that. But, 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 but I just tell a brother or sister I love you. I said, it's just with my heart and it's just with enthusiasm because we're, you're my sister. And I said, man, Julie, I do love you. And she said, I don't know. That's just strange, Pastor. But anyway, and we, she rolled on and I rolled on. And six months later, we were walking down the same hallway, same hallway, same situation. And I, I didn't remember that. I didn't have a deja vu moment, but I, I, I just was walking and she was walking. And I said, hey, Julie, how are you doing? Have a great day. How you liking it? Oh, Pastor, it's great. I knew you would, Julie. Hey, I love you. And she said, I love you too. Oh, oh. <laughs> and for the first time in six months, it came out. And she said, I, I love you, Pastor. And I said, how did it feel? And she said, it felt good. <laughs> and I said, great. And she just walked off. I love you, pastor. I love you, pastor. I love you, pastor. And she just echoed it as she walked down the hallway, almost as if it was a release. She finally felt the freedom to tell one of her brothers in Christ, I love you. Now, just in case you didn't know this, I thought I'd introduce something to you here. If you're a man in this building and you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, would you please just lift your hand like this, not unashamed that you are a follower of Jesus. Great, Uh, got an announcement to make. I'm your brother. (laughs) oh yeah i'm your long lost brother yes indeed i mean so hey you know brothers we're tight man we are tight i love you right i mean you're my brother and 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 you love me the jesus in me loves the jesus in you and the jesus in you loves the jesus in me we are brothers and 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 just likewise if you're a lady in this church and, and you're a follower of jesus christ you're my sister you thought you just had one or two sisters or brothers you've got The beautiful thing about being a Christian is we have millions of brothers and sisters all over the world. I mean, Chantha can go to Singapore, Cambodia, or India and meet brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't it amazing? I love being a Christian, and I love loving you. Where on the face of the earth Should the words, I love you, be heard more than a gathering of followers of Jesus Christ? And so my prayer for our church here this morning is that the halls would echo the words, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. 
So we love one another by what we say. Secondly, we love one another by what we do. You see, we need to grow in expressing our love, practical deeds of kindness to bless one another. Little things. I have no gift for singing. I cannot make a speech. I am no good at music. I know I cannot teach. I am no good at leading. I cannot organize. And anything I write would never win a prize. But at the roll call in the meetings, I always answer here. When others are performing, I I lend a listening ear. After the program is over, I praise its every part. My words are not to flatter. I mean them from my heart. It seems my only talent is neither big nor rare, just to listen and encourage and to fill a vacant chair. But all the gifted people could not so brightly shine were it not for those who used a talent such as mine. You see, this morning, what's making this service so great is not the preacher. What's making this service so phenomenal is not the worship team. What's making this service amazing is not those up front. It's those just being faithful in the background. It's those filling a vacant chair. It's that one out by the door that just greeted a guest. It's that one in the nursery today so we can enjoy this. They're sitting in the nursery taking care of our children. What am I saying? I'm saying all of us have a place to belong here in this body. And all of us are important to God. And whatever we're doing is is, is a great thing. And we can do things that are unnoticed and become very important in the body of Christ. We love people by what we say. We love people by what we do. We love people by where we stand. This is a tough one. Looking a a brother or a sister in the eye and saying, I can't let you do that. I love you too much. The Bible says that we at times need to speak the truth in love. And love sometimes means standing for the truth. And so let's love one another enough to step between us and a problem, a potential problem, and say, listen, I've been missing you at church. Let's call that brother who's, been, who's missed a few times and not be afraid to say, hey, how are you doing? I just, just miss you. Are you okay? Well, it's none of my business. I mean, hey, if they want to miss, that's up to them. I'm here. Really? Hmm. Okay. I just love them too much to let them backslide. I mean, let's, let's get in the way of that. Let's tell them we care about them, we love them, we want them back. Amen. You see, I don't think the door swings both ways. I think it swings one way, in. Amen. Everybody's welcome. If, somebody's, if there's a prodigal out there, come on home. Amen. We, we want you here. We love you. We want you to belong. Number four, I think you love someone by what you say, by what you do, by where you stand, and by spending time with people. You see, you can't love people you don't know, and you can't know people you don't spend time with. It's the truth. Listen, we have a corporate worship service here. This is awesome. We're all here. But you know what? We can slip in and slip out in a building with hundreds of people. You agree? I mean, this is just great. It's great. I love it. I love this one gathering we have every week where we're all together in one place. But I tell you where real biblical community and accountability takes place is when we get in our small groups. When we get in that atmosphere of brothers and sisters and we're transparent and we just kind of like I love the way that you did the transparency where Mike just brother Michael just comes up and shares from his heart almost as if we were sitting in his living room and hearing one of our brothers just kind of talk to us about the needs and I just I kind of felt like I was a member this morning and like I was being talked to by somebody that really cares about this church that's where biblical community takes place is when we spend time with one another so we're encouraged in our hearts. Paul said, I want you to be united in love. And then look at, the, look at the next thing. Let's begin reading in verse two, the latter part of the verse, shall we? To reach 
all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Number three, I think the third thing is encouraged in heart, united in love, and growing in understanding. Growing in our understanding. Did you see that word there, understanding? You see, he wants us to have full assurance of understanding the word of God. True or false, church? We live in a world that hates the thought of any absolute truth. True. We do. We live in that world today. But we believe differently. We believe in the absolute truth of the word of God. We believe there is a right and there is a wrong. We believe there is a God to whom we will give an account someday. We believe you can experience the forgiveness of God by turning from your sins and coming to Christ by faith. We believe you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. How do we believe that? Because we read it in the Bible and we begin to understand it. And Paul calls that the full assurance of understanding. And we need to grow in that. Christians just understand stuff. We just do. I mean, when you read your Bible and when you go to small group or when you attend a service like this and we got notes on the screen and scriptures and we're together talking about God's word, we understand that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who do not believe. We're not really upset with sinners today. We have compassion on them. Why? Because they're blinded. They don't know the truth. Why are we so shocked when sinners act like sinners? We understand that the natural man does not perceive the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them, for they are foolishness to him. We understand that because we have a Bible. We believe that everyone is born sinful. We believe the wages of sin is death. We believe the gift of God is eternal life. We believe if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you will be saved. And this is one of the marks of a quality church. It is encouraged in its heart. It is united in love, and it is growing in understanding of God and his word. And you know what's incredible? It's not boring. It's not boring to us. We actually look forward to it. People think maybe that I'm some sort of freak show. Like, what's the guy doing? I mean, he makes coffee nervous, you know. What kind of drugs does he take? I'm high this morning. I am. I'm high on Jesus. <laughs> I'm high on Jesus. I've never been high on anything else. But I can tell you this thing called Jesus, this person called Jesus makes such a difference in my life that I love to read his word. And coming to a healthy church, coming to a quality church is a privilege because we love the teaching and we love the preaching of God's word. Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16 says this, your words were found and I ate them. I've been eating pretty good this trip. I got some good fish down here. It's awesome. I'm a foodie. You know why? Because I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> and if you're from New Orleans and you ain't a foodie, you got issues. I love New Orleans. And I love to eat. And I love good food. Man, man, I've been eating some really good stuff. And I love it. I get excited. I get anxious. I get like, oh, man, what am I going to get? And I look at the menu, and every waiter or waitress loves serving me because they know how much I, I appreciate it. And, man, I, I want to leave a good tip because I, I want to thank them for this good food. This is awesome. I, man, I can't wait to eat it. And usually when I leave the restaurant, I'm thanking everybody because it was so good. And, I mean, I can even do that at McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, good night. Every now and then it's good to backslide and eat a quarter pound of cheese. 
You health freaks, just sit back and relax. Amen? I love it. (laughs) Your words were found and I ate them. And your words came to me a joy and the delight of my heart. So I got up this morning and before I ate breakfast, I got up this morning and before I had my coffee, I got up this morning and before anything else, I ate some of the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, it was delicious. It was delicious. And I woke up this morning and I didn't say, oh, I got a pathway. Oh, man. Hope this Arkansas dude is short. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jonathan's having some arky in, you know, hope it works out. I'll slip in and slip out. No, 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 no. I woke up this morning. I'm like, whoa, man, it's Sunday. I love it. I get to be with God's people and hear the word of God preached. You think I'm weird. I'm not weird. This is normal. It's normal for believers to feel this way. It's normal for people that aren't going to hell to be excited they're going to heaven. It's normal for people who have been given the peace of God to experience that peace. Knowing God and growing in our understanding is incredible. Then number four, and I'm done. The last thing, I want you to see it in verse five. Notice as Paul continues to speak here, he says, for though I'm absent in body, there's another evidence he was not there. He was in prison. Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order. I can't wait to actually get there, get out of prison, get to this church and see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Look at verse six. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him and established in the faith. Number four, first of all, we're encouraged in heart. We're united in love. We're growing in our understanding and we're flourishing in our faith. We're flourishing in our faith. We believe God. We're not going to leave this morning with a, with a discouraged attitude. First of all, we've been encouraged. We've been loved. We've been growing in our understanding. And next, we're going to take some of the hardships of life. We're going to take some of the downspins in church. We're going to take some of, the, some of the decrease in our offerings. And we're going to turn that around because we believe God can do it. We believe if we'll sacrifice, if we'll have more faith, if we'll put a little bit more effort into the ministry here, that we can overcome and see the greatest days of our church ever. Why? Here's why. We believe God. We trust God. The quality church is where the people are trusting God. Are we all going through different stuff? Yes. You want to hear my stuff for a while? (laughs) Oh, man, you talk about a pity party. You could really start feeling sorry for me. I mean, if I chose to, I could unload the truck this morning. And so could you. There's not one person sitting under the sound of my voice that If we had just a sober moment this morning and thought about something we're going through or a loved one in our family's going through, I think within 60 seconds, all of us could be weeping. Truth of the matter is we all got stuff. We're all hurting. I mean, I told you about Glorianne a minute ago, and and it is great, and we are blessed, but it's tough raising a special needs child. Tough changing a 12-year-old's diaper. (laughs) I mean, it's not easy. It's not like I look forward to that. It's tough, and some days are better than others. We're all going through stuff. Here's the question. Are we trusting God with our stuff? Are we believing God is going to help us? He's a very present help. You see, the same way you came to Jesus Christ by faith is how you flourish in Jesus Christ by faith. 
You came to Jesus by faith. You grow in Jesus by faith. Faith, faith is not a part of the Christian life. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. You can't please God without it. You can't live one day and have joy without trusting God, without growing in your faith. And you know, I'm, I want to report something kind of disappointing about your guest preacher this morning is I'm struggling with that sometimes. I don't know what it is. I've been pastoring for 26 years. I've seen God do miracles at our church, but I still seem to not have the strong faith that I had when I first started. I remember when I was heading across the United States of America from California, and I'll close with this, and, and we were you know, we were just a family that was going to plant this church in, in Arkansas and believing God was going to do great things. And we had lost everything in a, a downtime in our economy when we had, my wife and I had given our savings to purchase a condominium in California. And when we sold it, we lost the $30,000 of equity because it just couldn't bring any more than that. And, and so we had $3,000 left and that got us a U-Haul, gas, hotels, and $1,000 enough to put a down payment on a three-bedroom house in the center of the woods. And let me tell you something. When you're from New Orleans, Louisiana, the hood, you don't like ticks or crickets. You actually like drive-by shootings. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I didn't like it, but, you know, hey, it was a three-bedroom for 350 a month in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I guarantee you, if we'd had an emergency, we'd have died. There was nobody going to find us. You couldn't GPS this address. But we were so happy. We were so happy. We're starting a church. God sent us to Arkansas from California. We've lost it all. It got good. Man, we were starting to look for a building now. We got to find us a place to meet. You know, I got these little address tracks made up and I thought, man, we're going to invite everybody to church because we got to have an address, you know? And so I thought, man, I don't know where our church is going to meet. I'd already set a first date, June the 7th to start our church in 1992. And so I thought I got to find a building. So I found a building for $67,000. It was an old dilapidated Nazarene educational building that was just garbage, but hey, it was the best I could do in the hood, leaks in the roof. In fact, the first few weeks of our church, people actually had to bring umbrellas to church when it rained inside the building. <laughs> it was great. I remember not knowing what to do. So I went to the bank. Banks have money, right? Don't rob the bank, <laughs> but ask for the money because they have lots of it, right? They got this big, you know, you ever walk in the bank, see the big, you know, the big vault and you're like, oh man, oh, that's a great place. I'd love to be in the middle of that vault, you know? And so I went to the president of the bank and I said, hey, I need $67,000. He said, all right. He said, uh, I need to know how, you know, fill this out. And I'm like, fill what out? He gave me this piece of paper. I said, well, listen, I just need $67,000. He said, well, do you have a job? I said, no, but I will. I'm going to be a pastor. So you don't have a job? No, not, not, not yet. But I, I, well, how are you going to pay for this loan? I said, well, I'm going to pay for it when we pass the plates. People are going to put money in the plates. And then we're going to count it. And then we're going to bring you the money and make the payment. He said, well, how do you get paid? I said, well, whatever's left, I guess. He said, so that's your plan. I said, mm, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to be great. Now, uh, can I get that 67? He said, son, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but this is ridiculous. Best I can do is tell you, get a cosigner. If you get a cosigner, I, I, we'll do it. I said, what's that? He said, that's somebody that'll sign a loan and, 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 and back it up if you don't pay it. I said, okay, well, if I get one of those, will you give me the 67? He said, oh, I'll give you the 67 if you get one of those. So I went, left the bank, and I thought, man, I've been going to poor neighborhoods. I need to go to rich neighborhoods. <laughs> you don't find co-signers in trailer parks. You find them in nice, you know, big just, uh, neighborhoods. Well, maybe in Florida you find them in trailer parks, but not in Arkansas. And so I went to this real rich neighborhood, and first door, first door I knocked on, Lincoln Continental. I'm feeling pretty good. 
Knock on the door. He comes to the door. I was just my average self. Hello, my name's Eric Pacey. I'm going to be the new pastor of Gospel Life Baptist Church. We're starting a church. It's going to be awesome. We're excited. It's going to be amazing. You would love it. I guarantee it. I just want to invite you to come on our very first Sunday. He was an older man, maybe in his 50s. He said, I tell you what, anybody got the guts to knock on my door in the middle of the day and invite me to church? I'll come your first Sunday. I said, thank you. I appreciate that. I said, well, I'll see you there. And I turned around. I said, got one more question. I said, I need to buy a building to start the church. I said, that's why there's no address on my flyer here, but I need a cosigner. And this guy said that he'd get somebody that could sign a note that if we didn't pay, he would pay. But we're going to pay, don't worry. But could you, could you do that? He said, son, you have the guts of a high diver. You're asking me to cosign a loan for you? I said, yeah. He said, all right, let's go. I said, great. I said, can we go in your car? <laughs> I said, you got air conditioning, man. We get in his car. We drive to the bank. I walk, 30 minutes later, I walk back in his office. I look at that banker. I say, sir, I got that cosigner. He fell out. You got what? Who is it? He walked in. He knew him. He goes, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to sign for this note. He said, this old boy's got more faith than I've ever seen. I mean, I guarantee you, he's going to build a church. He signed that loan. We paid it off. God has been so good to us. Here's what I'm saying. Where's the, where? Where is that faith now? Now I look at, I look at 25% down. I'm oh, what am I going to do? You know, you get nervous, you get afraid, and you're like, wait a minute. We've come this far by faith. We've been leaning on the Lord the whole time. He's done so much for us. <laughs> this is going to be exciting. <laughs> I kind of feel good that we're a little bit down right now, don't you? I mean, I'm feeling better about it every day. It's going to be okay. I mean, I believe with all of my heart that, that we're going to come together and we're going to have faith that God's going to take care of us. And pretty soon, Mike's going to get up, Michael is going to get up here and share something. We're going to be just a few months. This is, wow, man, flourishing in faith. I close with this. I want to challenge you, give you a little homework assignment. I want to ask you eight questions before we close in prayer. And these eight questions are just questions that I'm going to challenge you to give yourself a little bit of a, how about a one to 10? One being low, 10 being high. Here's the eight questions based off the sermon. Number one, when I am not trusting God, I know it. The Holy Spirit convicts me. I repent and start afresh. Number two, my faith in God is growing. I can see it. I have more joy in my faith than I've ever had before. How are you doing with that? Think about it. Number three, I have a growing satisfaction in the value of knowing God. Number four, I am growing in my understanding of God's word. Number five, when I see opportunities to express Christ's love, I pray seriously about how I can do it. Number six, I can truly say that I love the people in this church. Number seven, I look for people who seem to be carrying heavy burdens and I encourage them. And question eight, I have already ministered and encouraged at least one person since I came to church today. You see, I want to challenge you to be thinking about how we can have a quality church and let God take care of the quantity. Father, thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. I do not take it for granted. 
I'm overwhelmed by the kindness of the people. God, would you please open their hearts that we might receive your word. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, will you stand with us? I want to encourage you, if the Lord is doing something in your heart right now, uh, to respond. Um, if you need prayer, we have people that would love to hear what's going on in your life and to lift you up to the Lord. And so if you want to come forward uh, to your left, my right, we'll have people available to pray with you. But if you have just some things that you want to lift up to the Lord on your own, we reserve the left side over here to your right to come forward and just to spend some time on your knees with the Lord. And, and so church, if the Lord is doing something in your heart right now, I just encourage you to respond.
righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Amen. Church, thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. Isn't God good? Amen. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you guys next week. We love you. Have a great weekend and love on each other before you go.